Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Thank you to Yola Tango, as always. Hope everyone is staying safe, wearing masks, and uh, watching Best of the Best, the movie that came out in 1989. We have talked about it quite a bit on this podcast um, because it was one of the movies that I really did grow up watching. I was probably, what, 11 years old when it came out. I remember going to Errol's video store in Vienna, Virginia, and I think it was the most rented video in my youth. And uh, <laughs> I forced uh, the great Mina Kimes of ESPN and Chris Ying to watch it, and we did a bad movie club review, and I'm having Bill Simmons' voice haunt me time and time again because... He suggested we never do this, only as a 15-minute segment, not as a full podcast. But uh, as stubborn as I am, we've continued to do so. And listen, you should listen to this podcast before you watch the movie. If you haven't watched it already, you can buy it online. I know it's on iTunes, and you can rent it for like, uh, I think, like two bucks uh, or something like that. But uh, it's a movie about karate technically Taekwondo, and we'll get into that in a second. And it's something that I did a lot of as a kid, and that was another reason why I liked it so much. But I think one of the main reasons why, which we will discuss in further on this podcast, was the main character was Asian American. And growing up in America, in Northern Virginia, it's just something that I never had in my life. Uh, The only other person that I grew up watching on TV was Bruce Lee. And we are actually going to speak to... The director, so if you haven't seen the Bruce Lee documentary on ESPN, it's a new 30 for 30 by director Bao Win. It is fantastic. And that was it. I grew up with Bruce Lee. And if it wasn't Bruce Lee, they were Asian bad guys. That was it. So to see an Asian American play one of the lead roles in a movie was significant for me. So that was the main reason I love Best of the Best. And it's one of those things about nostalgia. You grow up and you think later that maybe it wasn't so good. And that's what we're going to try to figure out. But um, if you haven't seen uh, Be Water, check it out because we're going to have, again, the director on in in the next couple of weeks. And Best of the Best is a, a time capsule as to how sort of the world viewed martial arts, Korean culture, Asian Americans. And uh, there's a lot. It's a fun podcast. This podcast gets a little bit crazy. And we come up with some wild theories as it, uh, you might need to think about the wild theories as to what this movie could have been. And I promise you, next Bad Movie Club, we will try to do a movie that is universally loved, not one that I happen to like. So again, thank you, Mina Kimes, for spending the time and apologies to your partner for having to watch Best of the Best. But for the 50 people in this world that have seen this movie... Hopefully you agree with me. And for everyone else, go watch it. But don't be mad at me. So before we dive in here, you know, there's no real... <laughs> there's not like a, a tremendous amount of structure around this one. We, we basically... Dave and I grew up loving this movie. You have never seen it. I think we're going to try to convince you of its merits. Okay. I don't, I don't even know if that's possible. Even <laughs> Wait, with I'd myself. never seen it until, you know, I watched it, right? I told you that, yeah. right? Okay, yes. cool. Okay. Yeah, like two weeks ago. My husband <laughs> wants to kill me, by the way. <laughs> 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 
you owe him an apology more than I know. Yeah. You know, this whole idea of doing Bad Movie Club was to reassess are bad movies really bad or are they underappreciated? And, you know, we did Demolition Man the first go around, and uh, yeah. I wasn't even smoking pot, but I came up with some crazy ass theories as to why it's actually amazing. This one, this one I grew up watching because I did like martial arts as a kid and I thought it was going to be awesome. And go, remember going to like the video store. This is probably the movie that I rented the most from like ages like eight to 13. And uh, I just right off the bat want to apologize to both of you. <laughs> so you rewatched it then? Oh, yes. I okay, rewatched cool. it first time All with right. a critical eye. I've seen this, I don't know, minimum 20, 20 times in my life. Same. And, same. Uh, Woo. So let's not give up on the movie right off the bat here, Dave, because for one thing, uh, Demolition Man, a lot of people saw it. Burnt, a lot of people saw it. According to Wikipedia, Best of the Best did $1.7 million at the box office. So not a lot of people saw this uh, other than you and me. And so I don't want to lose everybody right off the bat <laughs> because we've got we've to we've encourage them to watch this movie. Surprisingly, Demolition Man, one of our most listened to podcasts. <laughs> well, that actually doesn't surprise me at all because Demolition Man has incredible resonance today. <laughs> yes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many crazy parallels, the sex scene, the way they, I mean, this movie does not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's, so should we just get into it? Start with a, a little synopsis of this for the, the majority of people who haven't seen this and who are already tuning us out here. Um, the movie this week. Uh, here at the, are we calling this the Good Bad Movie Club now, Chang? The good, just Bad Movie Club. The Bad Movie Club. Our uh, <laughs> our submission this week is Best of the Best, a film from 1989. This entire film is about a martial arts tournament that takes place in Korea between the U.S. National Karate Team and the Korean Team. Uh, most of the movie centers around the U.S. Team and the training of that team led by James Earl Jones' character, Frank Cuzo. I'd say 85% of this movie is a training montage. Uh, <laughs> 5% is a sort of like getting the team together, and then you've got like a little bit about the tournament at the end. But most of this movie is just sort of establishing these characters, this ensemble cast that includes Eric Roberts as Alexander Alex Grady, who is an auto worker from Portland, Oregon, like so many <laughs> auto workers who lives with his mom. He's a widowed father of a young boy named Walter. He's got an incredible mane of hair. Um, the other main martial artist on the U.S. national team is, is Tommy Lee, played by the producer of this movie and, and the story writer, Philip Reed. Uh Chris Penn is Travis Brickley, who's just kind of a chubby racist cowboy. Um, from Miami. <laughs> yeah. From, from Miami. Yeah. A misogynistic racist cowboy from Miami. He's a super misogynistic racist cowboy who is from Miami, Florida. Uh, John Dye plays Virgil Keller, who is, I guess, his defining characteristic is that he's a Buddhist. He's like a hippie. He's a hippie Buddhist. Uh, He's a hippie. Uh, David Agresta is Sonny Grasso. And the only (laughs) fact given to us about Sonny Grasso is that he is Italian. The only, the only two others. Oh, there's the only two Korean uh, team members that are really given any time are Simon Rhee as Dehan Park, who is the eye patch wearing 
antagonist, the sort of most feared member of the Korean team. And then James Liu as Sei Jin Kwan, who's who's just like Eric Roberts' opponent. And you're so. forgetting about B-movie stars, like icon Sally Kirkland. Sally Kirkland plays Catherine Wade, the, uh, the assistant they trainer. They didn't even bother to whitewash her. They just put in a white person. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I respect to some yeah. degree. Yeah. Also, she definitely had a like an arc, like a romantic arc that was cut out of the movie. Can we all oh, agree yeah. that? Because yeah. otherwise, why is she in the movie? With oh, who? Yeah. With, with James Earl Jones? Somebody. I don't know. It's just when you're watching one of these movies and the whole time you're expecting her to have like a relationship with someone and it's not shown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that you say it, I hadn't thought about it, Mina, but for sure, if you think about her part in this thing, she comes in as, I don't know, what would, what would the equivalent be in sports? Like, she is bringing the, she's like, your high-tech no, no, stuff no, no. is not going to work. You have to listen to the spiritual side. If you guys watch Billions, she's the, like, the counselor to Bobby yeah. Axelrod. That's, like, the equivalent totally. to me. Yeah. But her character really, aside from, like, a, causing a little bit of waves when she shows up, because I think that James Earl Jones is expecting either an actual Asian person, because he has pitched Wade as a quote-unquote sensei, or a man, and she turns out to be, you know, a yoga instructing white woman. Other than that, like, there's no other plot for her. Why is she wearing a suit the whole time? Like training situations, as you said, eighty percent of the movie is a tra- training montage. The other twenty percent is one bar fight. <laughs> yeah, that's it's true. She does wear she is in a, in a suit the entire <laughs> movie. Except when she breaks the bricks, okay? Let's just oh. right. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Well, yeah, so yeah, listen, true. Mina, as, as a guest, and I promise you we're gonna have you back with a really good bad movie. Um <laughs> because listen, I can't even put on an axe. There's just no way. I think you should watch it if you wanna see how movies used to be made and will never be made ever again. <laughs> But can you give me your two cents as to what happened for about 90 minutes of your life? Okay. I think the movie's one redeeming quality, really its main redeeming quality, one I did not expect for like the first 30 minutes of the movie, but then in the end, like validated the whole experience for me, was that the Asian dude ended up being the most important character. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that going into it. They set it up like Eric Roberts was the protagonist and then he kind of gets... He's, by the way, so creepy. So, he, But he gets kind of <laughs> sidelined as the movie goes on. And all of a sudden, uh, what's his name? Ree, the Tommy Lee, the actor, Lee, the guy, yep. producer, whatever, which makes sense now that I know he made the movie. He becomes the star of the film and has mm-hmm. the ultimate fight and the emotional moment. It's the Asian guy who becomes the hero. Can I tell you why that's why this movie was so important to me as a kid growing up in Northern Virginia was... It was the first time I ever saw an Asian actor be the hero of the movie that wasn't Bruce Lee. And he was Korean, and there were Korean people all over the place doing karate. So I was I was really moved as a little kid. And now I moved as to how bad it really was. No, no, no. See, okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna abandon our sweet little best of the best right here, I'm gonna take up the torch here and stand up for this movie as an important piece of, of cinema. Not only because you're right, Chang. This was the first movie I saw as a little kid where you could really champion the Asian guy. And he really was the, the hero at the end. But this movie's got layers, man. So we open. We open with a, a shot of the rising sun to indicate to us that we are in Asia. Uh, literal sunrise over a field with all of these Korean Taekwondo 
martial artist practicing. Whoa, 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 back up. Right, right off the bat, it pisses me off is like whoever decided to do this is you have this training montage of all the Koreans mm. doing karate in Korean un- in a they uniform with Taekwondo. Kor- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So the movie was absolutely whitewashed to make it no, no, no. karate. Vita, Vita, can you explain? Can you explain? Because Chris doesn't read Korean. Can you explain okay. the faux pas? <laughs> yes. And I, by the way, I I took Taekwondo as a kid. I don't know if you knew that, David. I did not didn't know get, that. Didn't get super far, but I got, I got far enough to know it's fucking different from karate. Okay. It's, it's much more kicking oriented is yeah. the best way to summarize that. Karate is more, you know, the chops and the hands and that kind of thing. So actually I was really confused like the first entire 30 minutes of the movie, I was like, is this a karate movie or a Taekwondo movie? Because these dudes, they're Taekwondo artists, but everyone's saying karate. And then the white guys do karate. And I don't, I couldn't tell what was going. Actually, it was kind of unclear until the very end. Yeah. And on yeah. the uniforms, they're literally saying, it's like, Taekwondo. if I was, if I had like, I was cooking a restaurant, I had like chef on my back. You don't have Taekwondo on your <laughs> uniform. We know, we know that you're yes. doing Taekwondo. Also, like, he- hella racist and a lot of 80s movies would do this with Asians where it's like you never, it's never about the individuals. There's like a mass of people. Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, the masses from the East, the yellow peril. This movie fully leans into that. Mm-hmm. So they're all wearing uniforms that say Taekwondo in Korean on the back. And for sure, so Philip Ree, the, the guy who wrote the story, the guy who plays Tommy Lee, obviously wrote a story about Taekwondo. And obviously, when he went to the producers, they said, what the fuck is Taekwondo? We only know karate. You're going to call it karate in this movie. And it goes back and forth throughout the movie. Sometimes they call it Taekwondo. Sometimes they call it karate. But yeah, it's a, it was definitely white, whitewashed in that way. But they're practicing on this field. And the thing that stood out to me about this, this big, expansive field where the, the Korean team is practicing is that in the background, there's just like soccer goals. And I'm just like, this is a suburban soccer field. Why didn't you guys move the soccer goals off of this field? Because it was, it was all filmed this. in uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> it was all filmed in Los Angeles. Um, so you start with this scene with the rising sun and, and these Asian tropes, like Mina said, like the, a big group of people that look like they're practicing Tai Chi in, in a field. And then you cut to rock and roll music, a car plant in America. And no, this no, is the- <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. This is where like, Someone really screwed up this movie from the beginning because Alex Grady, Eric Roberts, creepy Eric Roberts, is in Portland, Oregon, working in a car factory. <laughs> That's what I'm Yet saying. Sonny, the Italian, is from Detroit. <laughs> so, And then the like, racist country dude is from Miami. How did this happen? Like someone must have just made, like given the wrong script. And they're like, oh man, we just got to go with this now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sure there are some racist country dudes in Miami. The burgeoning in the car defense. industry, automobile industry in Portland, Oregon. But so, so to me, it's setting up this thing, right? It's setting up. Like, what, what do you think Korea was to Americans in 1989? I mean, you know, like, tell me what you think the perception of Korea was. Most people had no idea other than there was a war, right? The Olympics were just coming off the. Right? So, so, yeah, so. You've got they're they're setting up all these tropes, right? It's there's American auto manufacturing versus the the rising sun. Eric Roberts, the main character, works as an auto, auto manufacturer. You see like union posters in there. You see like some automation. And and to me, this movie is just about the fear of Asians taking away American mm. manufacturing jobs. So you're basically saying it's pre MAGA. <laughs> it's versus pre-MAGA. kung flu. 
It's MAGA versus Kung Flu, and it's a call for understanding between the two sides. That is going to be my theory going into this discussion. Oh, interesting. Without giving away the end. Yeah, I see what you're going for. (laughs) I really do. It does actually, I mean, there's, you know, the racist dude never actually receives his comeuppance, which um, really bothered me afterwards. But I see it. So the main guys, you said it's about character setup, but we never hear like any of their backstories. We, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to stop complaining. <laughs> no, 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 no. I but want you to complain. it's incredibly unclear how any of them are martial art masters, right? <laughs> yes. like how is this racist dude from Miami who's built like a defensive tackle a karate master? I yep. don't know. Like, yep. I, it's super, Eric Roberts, how did this guy who kind of is creepy, how did he become, I don't know. Uh, let me ask you guys this right off the bat. So, Chris Penn as as is the racist Miami guy. Really you know, irritating. I hate yeah. it. just like <laughs> absolutely on. the worst. Absolutely the worst. But I will say the least convincing martial artist to me is is Sonny. When I'm watching him do stuff, it just feels that like that is not the least convincing thing of anything about that. The least convincing thing is James Earl Jones, <laughs> Jones as the coach of okay. the U.S. Karate team. <laughs> Come on, what does he? What is his qualifications other than being a terrible person? About 20 minutes into this movie, I turned to my husband and I said, "Is James Earl Jones actually a bad actor?" Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, this is exactly yeah. my question. I was going to ask you: Is James? Because when I grew growing up, I thought James Earl Jones represented the pinnacle of acting. Yeah. But like, I started watching him, and every he he has this thing where he just yells the last two syllables of every sentence, and that's like how he delivers every line. And my question: I was going to ask you guys: Am I just living in a bubble? Is James Earl Jones actually not good at acting? But he's not a good coach either. In re- in the movie, <laughs> he's a terrible, terrible mean-spirited coach that knows nothing about the martial art discipline <laughs> of any country. <laughs> uh, how well, would you, all so, he does is, we never actually see him teaching martial arts, by the way, or, you know, <laughs> engaging in any sort of training. All he does. No strategy is, at all. Zero. <laughs> he just yells at them over and over. You are mine. <laughs> <laughs> And, <laughs> he and has, then kicks Eric Roberts off the team for his kid getting hit by a car. Yeah, Eric Roberts' kid gets hit by a car at one point. He asks for, you know, leave to go take care of his kid. And, and James Earl Jones says, we all have our priorities. And it's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying to you, dude. Like, my kid got hit by a car. But, I mean, come on. Like, that was maybe the gr- worst logical flaw of the movie. Is that... <laughs> he's got, you he's can't, got two You roles. cannot tell me human life... Is no. <laughs> less important than an amateur Korean karate exhibition. Come on. Okay. You bring up a good point, Chang, because one thing I was wondering is what is this tournament? By all accounts, in what I'm seeing in the movie, this is not like a special tournament. It's not like the big tournament. It's just yeah. a tournament. <laughs> It's like yeah. an exhibition. Well, it's like an exhibition right. tournament. Yeah. But like before it was seen like, cause you have that other, like that other white guy. That's like the business of the U S karate team mm-hmm. that like James Earl Jones has to interact with. Oh, right, it seems yeah. like it was like created to like promote karate from U S like it was some business type of thing. That would have been a hell of a lot more interesting story without any martial arts whatsoever. <laughs> then what happened? It's not until the end when they <laughs> finally have the tournament, which I have to say the last, 20 minutes of the movie are the best part of the movie by I far. Cried. And I cried. Can... I cried one hour ago when I watched it again. When, I mean, are we, are we, are we going to go there yet? The final moment? No, 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 no. Let's build okay, up. Okay, let's build okay, up. Because I have a lot of feelings wait, 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 about before, that too. I have another theory as to why this movie got greenlit. 
this is also post Karate Kid. Uh, sure. Part two, right? You, you already had Karate Kid one and two, which happened in Japan, right? Which again, the Asian guy's the fucking villain again. Um, <laughs> and Ralph Macchio takes away like the one le- Japanese leading actress of, of her day. I just think that there was maybe a like a business pitch of like, hey, we can really capitalize on this Karate Kid movie. Karate, yes. Yeah, I see this now as like a, it was originally a three-hour movie and then some Hollywood studio executive came in. He cut off the first like 20 minutes of the movie where they explain who any of these guys are. He cut off all the first, anything in the beginning with the Asian guy and made Eric Roberts the first 20 minutes inexplicably then ease the Asian, Asian guy back in. He changed where everybody was from, as we've discussed, wrote like Miami, Portland, just like randomly went through and scribbled and cut the romantic scenes with the woman. Boom. That's how you get best of the best. So are you saying that there's a possibility that best of the best was altered from its original amazing form, that it could have been the I, like Citizen Kane magnum opus of so Philip Reed. Is I, that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> I know, I was going to say, it's like, what is, the, what is the thing? Like, release the Snyder Cut release of Justice League, <laughs> right? We need to see the full three-hour so, cut of Best of the Best. I mean, what, Philip Reed, he's not doing, that's his name, right? Philip Reed? Yeah, Philip Reed. Yeah. He's alive, right? I don't know. I I mean, whatever you're going to say might kill him. So, I mean, let's let's I'm just saying, he's probably around. Somebody get in touch with him. Ask him if these theories are true. I bet, like, he will come on your podcast. What's he doing? I mean, it's a great question. Oh, man. I don't know if that's good. I I can't. That (laughs) might, he might still be like, in a deep state of depression because of these cuts, the edits to his movies. Also, like he's he was, never gotten over it. You have one shot. It's like it was his eight mile and he lost the rap out. <laughs> well, no, but then he went on and got to make best of the best two, best of the best three, best. I mean, there's multiple best of the best. So Say their full names, Mina. Best of the best three, no turning back. Best of the best four, without warning. Okay. If you're going to say the name, have a little respect. <laughs> All right. Before we go even a little bit further, can we just talk a little bit more about Chris Penn's character, Travis Brickley? Because, you know, a lot of this anti-Asian sentiment, I think gets it's like seated, obviously, like a hundred years in America, but you cannot have a movie that treats Asian people this poorly. Mm-hmm. Like, if this kind of character existed in 2020, people would fucking riot. Mm-hmm. But it was okay. It just tells you about the world in 1989 that it's okay to mm-hmm. make just the worst racist Asian jokes. And then just to be mean, like he shoves Philip Ree into the door and says, home run, run, run. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> it's, come it's, on, dude. That is insane. Even, even at the end when he was like, quote unquote, redeemed, he hit his opponent with a kimchi insult, yeah, which yeah. again, I find it deeply unbelievable that that character even knows a kimchi insult, that he was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to localize this racism and be specific. No way. No way, first of all. But second of all, they were like accepting him. No, don't accept him. He's not redeemed. He's mm-hmm. still racist. He's mm-hmm. a bad, bad human being. He's like a really bad person. Maybe James Earl Jones is worse because he likes Travis Brickley. So I will say when I watched this movie as a kid, there's a scene where I think Travis's most racist scene is when he just kind of like arbitrarily starts picking on yeah, uh, Virgil for like eating with chopsticks, like eating what looks like some sort of random Asian food and then starts like laying into Tommy Lee and he's like, oh, you got a small dick and all of this stuff and like saying all these super hurtful things to him and challenging him to a fight and then says like, what's it going to be? Are you yellow? And Tommy Lee's comeback is to look at him and just says, Obviously. 
And as a kid, I never understood. I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, maybe when I'm older, that like the, the strength of that comeback will really hit me. And like having watched it now at the age of 37, what the hell was that comeback? <laughs> we didn't even get a fucking proper comeback. Like, obviously, that doesn't mean anything. The lesser of the Penn brothers really <laughs> fucking shit the bed. And who really shit the bed was Philip Reed because he wrote the fucking thing. He should have kicked what? the shit out of him. I know. I mean, Come he on. wrote some of it. <laughs> right, 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 right. And now, I mean, now, now that we've got this theory about the recut, I think it's pretty obvious that that lunchroom he was scene. Forced to re- he was forced to reshoot it. You're right. You're right. Oh, man. I can't believe Mina came strong with the fucking, with the recut theory right off the bat. We Usually it's Dave with like the crackpot conspiracy theories. But Mina's got the three hour recut. We need, we need honestly, demand to see all this. All the inconsistencies, all the questions we have, it's all, it's all. It's like you're seeing the Matrix now. Um, so another character, when he introduces himself, like there's a lot of like weird race things in here, just sort of cavalier racial stereotypes. And and when Sonny Grasso introduces himself, I think he says, hey, I'm Sonny, Sonny Grasso. I'm Italian. My friends call me Sonny, which doesn't, like, that's like me saying, I'm Chris Ying. I'm Chinese. My friends call me Chris. Like, what is that? What does that mean? What is that arbitrary bit of information in the middle followed by my name again? That's how they speak in Detroit, I guess. <laughs> I, I honestly remember nothing about that character, and I have nothing to contribute. <laughs> I should have just come first. with like a fake character. I, I should have just like made up a fake yeah. character. Can I give you yeah, my you my, totally my favorite character? Actually, is someone that no one really mentions, and it's Don Peterson, the the analytics, analytics guy. guy. Yes. <laughs> He smokes butts, and he's basically like pre-sabermetrics for karate. And what are, what are the analytics in karate? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that this is what Daryl Morey watched to really change his entire career trajectory. And he watched this. He's like, I can do this for basketball. And this is what happened. Mm. He even came to Korea with them. Yeah. By the, by the way, okay. And speaking of, again, inconsistencies— James Earl Jones, whose name I will not acknowledge, he kicks uh, Eric Roberts. Sorry, I'm just gonna do the actors' names. He kicks him off the team, right? Because he cares about his sick son. And Tommy leaves because oh, we we haven't even discussed the central oh, yeah. drama of the piece, which is that of the whole movie, which is Tommy's brother was killed by Dayhan, who he ultimately fights in the end. Important information when discussing the end of this movie. And there's this incredible flashback that they show over and over in like sepia tones that culminates with a young Tommy dropping his ice cream cone in slow motion and being triggered at a gas station later when he sees a kid with an ice cream cone. Actual thing that happens in the movie. But anyways, leading up to the trip to Korea, Eric and Tommy, they're they're gone. Tommy leaves and they're just like, all right, we're going to go to Korea anyways. How are they supposed to compete? He never brings in like a backup or anything. There's no plan. They're just at the airport. How did how did he just show up at the, he just showed up at the airport? Like, do they always follow do they have a passport with them all the time? Like, how did this happen? And when Tommy has the meltdown and he does the the personal like odyssey of like what is the meaning of my life and he goes on the motorcycle journey, like it seems like he's gone for like a week. He's gone for like <laughs> Yeah, so like 45 minutes, tops. <laughs> Tommy, for people again who haven't seen this, Tommy is training and and his the, the thing that he keeps on being Ooh, what, are you drinking for? what are you drinking there, Mina? Um, Looks fresh lemonade. It's juice. <laughs> it's just yeah, it is pink lemonade. Mm. Sugar free or fully loaded? <laughs> Sugar free. 
it's, it's crystal light. It's crystal Ooh, light. All right. Finally, crystal light. Oh, there it is. No, no, no. Crystal light is awesome. First of all, it is the OG. <laughs> My wife makes fun of me because I like the regular lemonade, and she's like, "Why are you drinking that? Because it's this fucking like, delicious." Uh, <laughs> A college girl margarita is like a crystal light and vodka. Oh man, is that what we have there, or are you just pure crystal light? Are you are you pure crystal? It's four thirty p.m. Pacific. It's pure okay. crystal light. Okay. Um, sorry, sorry. No, no, I digress. No, no. I I was wondering the same thing. So, oh, hold on. Another another just moment, Chris. <laughs> can we get the data because it just dawned on me this podcast is only going to be meaningful to the handful of people that ever watched. Best of the best. That's what I was trying to say to you, that this podcast is fundamentally flawed because one of the three of us had not seen it before. And definitely nobody else is seeing this thing. I'm just so. thinking about Bill Simmons' words. is like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> you should not do this podcast. You should keep it at 15 should minutes. Should we talk about something topical? Your Washington football team is changing oh, their name. Yeah. yeah. You know what? They need a new owner first. They need a new owner. But what are they going to change their name to? So there's a lot of ideas bouncing around the internet right now. Maybe something even more racist would be amazing. Just the be... Travis Brickleys. Yeah, the Travis Brickleys. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> uh, so, so the thing that the thing that Tommy Lee Philip Ree's character in this movie gets chastised for all the time is that he's holding back. He he he's not right. giving. He's not finishing his punches and kicks. And then we see this scene where they're measuring how fast he can kick. And we are given this visual cue that when he pivots his foot, it means he's going to kill. And so this is, a, this is an important visual signal later when he has Dehan, his, his nemesis on the ropes, and he pivots his foot. And we think, oh, no. Tommy. And then James Earl oh. Jones goes, no! <laughs> Don't do okay. it! <laughs> okay, are we ready to talk about the ultimate, like, Wait, the battle? Before we talk about it, I just want to say okay. one thing. Before we say that, the idea of a full-contact, no-helmet martial arts tournament and full-contact, no-helmet tryouts where you can just kick somebody in the head as hard as you can is preposterous. And both of these tournaments are full-contact, basically no-holds-barred. So that well, sets up I was also blown away. I was totally—I didn't see it coming— that when Sally Kirkland practiced and broke the bricks in front of everyone, I had no idea that they were actually going to do it. They set it up for the, the final fight. That it would oh, come yeah, back. It was, well, one that was very yes. subtle. Very yes. subtle. It was yeah. Sonny Grasso was the only reason. <laughs> that was, was definitely part of the original recut, by the way. Yes. That foreshadowed. <laughs> Mina, set up, set up the tournament and, and okay. the, the culminating part for us. And yeah, let's, let's sure. get into the meat here. So, again... Very unclear what the rules are in terms of what kind of fighting is out allowed in all of this. Eastern <laughs> rules. Eastern rules, Western rules. It doesn't really matter. But ultimately, it's a 5v5 situation. We already know this uh, because James Earl Jones has informed all the fighters who their opponents are and, you know, their stories and personalities. Doesn't train them. Doesn't talk about moves or, you know, <laughs> fighting or anything. He says, don't be late. Work as a team. And go out there and have some fun with the with the locals tonight, guys. That's, That's those are his it. only three And also, your opponent is, you know, undefeated and has one eye or whatever. <laughs> so, literally, that's the training. So, all five guys have, you know, their opponent. And the first up is Grasso. That's the only thing I remember about Grasso. He loses, gets his ass kicked. Second up, Virgil gets his ass kicked. So, again, the scoring system, also very confusing. Very they're, confusing. They're down, two fights to zero. Then... Racist Travis comes up and 
he has a, a better, I forget, I don't remember the opponents aside from Dehan, but he has a better go of it, really. You know, it's close. It's like basically a tie. And the tiebreaker, literally, is, <laughs> as you mentioned, Dave, they got to break these bricks. And so Travis is like five times the size of the Korean dude he's fighting. And yet he doesn't break as many bricks. Devastating. I was happy. So that me, I'm thinking 3-0, this is over. Wow, really crazy that they set the movie up this way. We never got to see the two main characters fight. But apparently that's not how the point system works. So then we get to uh, Eric Roberts. Do you want to take take it no, from here? No, it was here? like, you know, they were like the precursor to the NBA finals with, uh, against Golden State. And it was the, like 3-1. The, no, no, before, the, before, is, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yang, Yang, sorry to interrupt. You're missing maybe the best part. The best part of the whole movie and the best part of the fight is Michael Jordan's best friend, Ahmad Rashad, commentating. <laughs> because for, for this invitational <laughs> tournament in Korea that has no stakes and no audience in the U.S., except for that bar where they keep on televising this game somewhere, Ahmad, Ahmad Rashad, Rashad needs to he be He really there does find his, his way into every situation. He's <laughs> fucking uncanny. <laughs> I was like, Ahmad Rashad, this is serious. <laughs> so Ahmad Rashad is announcing, but... It's Going back to, to Mina's point, it's 3-0. You would think in a, a tournament, a best-of-five tournament, 3-0 is victory. But this tournament is, is like, a, it's Quidditch rules. You know, nothing matters. <laughs> just, it doesn't matter. We're making it up as we go. So take us from there, Mina. It's 3-0, and it's, it's okay. Eric Roberts' turn. Eric Roberts is up. Oh, we missed a very important detail, which is Eric Roberts' career has been sort of sidelined as a fighter, which again, we don't have any information on how good he was. <laughs> when the tournament begins, they they introduce them and they're like, you know, he's won a world championship. And you're like, ah, dudes, that could have come to my attention yesterday. But so Eric Roberts had some kind of horrible shoulder injury that made people think he could never return to fighting. Naturally, in the course of his fight, he makes an incredible comeback, hurts his shoulder, in order to keep his team in it, because again, this is a team fight, he just has to stay up. So he's kind of like dodging the dude. And ultimately, he stays up and he saves the team. He keeps them in it. And that's his big heroic moment. But, you know, he's not the hero of this movie, which is really surprising. You, a normal, you know, white movie would end with that moment that Eric Roberts stays up and then he kisses, what's her, Sally Kirkland, and that's it. <laughs> but this is not a white movie, right? This is... Uh, can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a white movie. I mean, you know what's funny? Us. It it is like it's funny because the movie that I thought of immediately with with, with Eric Roberts' shoulder injury, it seems like the injury of the '80s was the dislocated shoulder, right? Like if a, if a mm. guy had a dislocated shoulder, it was so painful, and for them to soldier on, that was like a huge martyr act. And but it, it was happened all set, in, up, set up by two other movies. Can you name those two Lethal other movies? We were, yes, Lee, thank you. <laughs> and again, and, Karate Kid again. And Karate the, Kids. So Mr. it's Mary always going like this. It's always a shoulder. And which is why I think this movie is so special. They head fake. They're fully aware that you think like the big triumph will be the white yeah. guy overcoming his shoulder injury. We've seen it before. But no, this movie no. is very special and it's not the end. That is really what distinguishes this movie. And what <laughs> saved it for me is that it doesn't end with Eric Roberts, you know, and his injury and whatever. It, there is one more fight. And of course, it's our boy Tommy. Facing Dehan, who killed his brother. Dehan's like 40, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tommy is 26. Uh, Dehan yeah, yeah. has been fighting for a long, long, long yes. time. Savvy. No, can, can we also talk something just about the details? Is, um, you know, when they're doing the whole montage of who everyone's going to be facing, like, Virgil, you're going to this, Sonny, you're going to this guy. They all look like they're the same weight class. How are they all the greatest fighter ever 
if they're mm. all fighting the same weight, it seems like they're all the same weight class. No one, there's no distinction. That's between, such a good point. That's such a good point. All, I was like, what? How can Dehan and the other Korean guy be the best of the best? But they seem to be the exact same size. How can they each be winning the tournaments? Wouldn't they be beating the shit out of each other? I thought they would bring out like a Korean Hodor type to face yeah. Travis, but it was just <laughs> another, like they were all the same size. Yeah. That would have been a great casting opportunity. <laughs> there was like no differentiation. Uh, there was just nothing. I, I, it just still yeah. bothers me so much that every, there was just, come on, Chris, what's your explanation for that? Um, all men are created equal. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Why do you try to question the, the, the very fabric of my reality by, by calling this into question? Um, I have something that's going to blow your minds, but Mina, I want you to continue with the story of the of the final okay. fight here. So this is obviously the ultimate cathartic. Well, the, the very end of this movie. Well, okay, I'll tell the whole story. <laughs> so Tommy Lee, or Tommy Lee, yeah. Tommy Dehan, mano a mano. It's all decided here. Somehow in a point system that defies explanation, the Americans are still in it. If Tommy wins, I think he has to win by knockout to win. Mm-hmm. That's, again... Unclear what that means. So it's sort of a comeback scenario, yet again, shocker. But ultimately, uh, after Dehan comes out to a really strong start, Tommy starts kicking his ass. I'm punching as I'm explaining this, uh, Dave and Chris can see. <laughs> and then, this is the key moment. Dehan's like, I think his eye patch has fallen off, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So his like weird glazed eyes kind of looking at him. And Tommy's having all these flashbacks about his brother dying and being the kid and pulling punches and all that. James Earl Jones is looking on saying kind of, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, you know? <laughs> Tommy. No. No. <laughs> Sorry. Dave, you want to do it? Sorry, you had to. You no. Had to okay. Tommy, no. And this is where I'm very upset because all Tommy has to do is to knock him down, right? And where mm-hmm. he can't get up. You don't have to kill him. You just have to tip him over. Okay, mm-hmm. but he's like, no, I can't. I'm not gonna murder him the way he murdered my brother. I mean, that's implied. He doesn't say it, so he doesn't do anything. Time runs out, and the Americans lose. You didn't have to kill him, bro. You just knocked him over. Just score you a point. Honestly, could have just slapped him down a little bit. He probably would. The guy's like tipping over. He's barely standing at this point. Again, that, that, Mina, this is this version. This edit. The other version <laughs> would be very clear. He kills him. Head, yeah, he kills him. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded. <laughs> I know, like, the, we're supposed to not want him to, but I kind of did. So, uh, Tommy Lee shows great restraint. He pivots his foot, and he thinks about it, but he doesn't ultimately deliver the death blow to the Nasty. person who killed his brother. Could have just slapped him. Could have just slapped him. Could have just slapped him. Mina's very uh, insistent upon this. Here's the thing that's gonna that, that blew my mind this time around, and I wonder if it will have a similar effect on you. Dehan, played by Simon Ree, is the real life brother of Philip Ree, Tommy Lee. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and 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 when <laughs> so the end the end of the movie, I'll 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 give us the the end here. Dehan and the Korean team are awarded their medals for winning this tournament. But Dehan, recognizing the mercy he was shown, limps across the mat to deliver a touching speech to Tommy Lee that says, uh, you know, you're a great warrior, so is your brother. To show mercy in defeat is to earn honor. I offer myself as your brother. And he puts the medal on him. And I was moved. And I realized now I was moved because I was truly two brothers. Two true brothers showing their love for one another. <laughs> you guys are not buying into this. I'm just watching your faces. I'll tell you what. Not I buying De- this at all. Dehan's English sucked. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, Dehan, 
Your English is fucking terrible, dude. <laughs> okay. Okay. But you should, by the way, they all gave them their medals, right? It became yeah. like this. Even Travis you, got a medal. Come on. <laughs> which I did not like. Okay. So it is this moment of East and West coming together. So on one hand, yes, I too cried when that speech happened. My husband <gasps> cried too, if I'm being honest. But I, really? I, yeah, tears, tears. But then on the other hand, this was just an exhibition. You know what those Koreans were thinking? They <laughs> do. I mean, classic Korean mentality. Dave, back me up here. Korean trickery. Uh, it's K trickery. Real- <laughs> it was K trickery. They don't know. They're just setting them up. It's like a pool game. It's not a real <laughs> competition also, right? Like, it's not, it's like, uh, you know. If this was an Olympics, come on. <laughs> It's like color what? of money. Another movie in the 1988-1989. But you but you you were moved by it. Dave, you were not moved even in this viewing of I it. I was were- so mad that Philip Ree, Tommy didn't knock Dehan's head off. Yeah, he killed his brother, man. Come on. <laughs> what did Dehan do in that moment to to earn redemption in Tommy Lee's mind? Seriously. And then that stupid eye patch and that whole thing just pissed me off. It's got to be the, so hard to fight with an eye patch, too. I was thinking yeah. that the whole time. How is this dude still the greatest fighter? He yeah. <laughs> just exactly. no depth perception. What does that say about Korea? <laughs> I mean, I just would have been happier if the Korean team just beat the shit out of the American team. I mean, honestly, let's just be yeah. let's be real. It'd be like if this was a speed skating movie. America versus the U.S. For sure, yeah. There's not even or like a, archery. Oh, you're so good. <laughs> good night. Good. Don't fuck with us in two sports. That's it. <laughs> but that so that, here's the thing. Like I don't. Going back to the whole like this is an exhibition tournament thing. If nobody cares about martial arts, karate, taekwondo, this sport in the real world, and you're gonna put Ahmad Rashad in the announcing booth, why would you not just say this is like the world's most important? What do you tournament? think Ahmad Rashad's agent? What do you think that conversation was? Like, this is pre-email, so probably is a phone call or a letter. The agent, let's reenact, calls up Fala- uh, Ahmad Rashad. Ahmad, I got the, t- uh, the part of a lifetime for you. <laughs> it's a movie called Best of the Best, and you're going to be the commentator for an exhibition match between Korea and the U.S. Come on. You <laughs> really said yes. Out, I'm trying to figure out what Ahmad Rashad was doing in 1989. Hanging out with O.J., yeah, and his mm. wife was more famous and 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 talented. So there you have it. I mean, he probably was like, hell yeah. Best of the best? Not it's the best of the best. So the actual best. <laughs> this is the, we're talking about the best of the best. I'm I'm in. Also, that's I'm like in. one day of work, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. And I think he got to just make up things. Cause at one point he says, Oh, he hits him with an amazing aerial back knuckle. And I was like, Yes, what's there were a, no taekwondo terms. <laughs> what's in the whole an aerial movie? back knuckle? Can we, can we, obviously, uh, no one's ever going to watch this movie ever again. And, um, but before we do, if we're, if we're (gasps) going to go this far, if we're going to go this far, can we talk about maybe one of the best, again, if this movie was made by the Coen brothers, like frame by frame, intentionally bad, it'd be one of the best movies ever made. But the bar scene and the scenes leading up okay. to the bar scene are just so good. How have we not talked about the bar scene? This, is, this has been going... Let me check my recording. Hold on. Okay, inexplicably, minutes. 40 minutes of my life now. It's almost as long as the movie itself. <laughs> it's hurtful and when we you haven't call it 40 minutes to- of your life, though. That, that's, just, that's just hurtful to us. <laughs> it's the best of the best. Um, the bar scene is the best scene in the entire... I know I said the ultimate fight scene was, but the bar scene, to me, too, again... 
racially very validating, right? Because that's the ultimate Asian fantasy that the whole time you just sit back, chill, you know, not trying to stand out, sitting on your skills. And then when the right time comes, you kick ass. And then you just walk out smoothly without saying anything. That's what we all dream of. Yeah. So Philip Ree, Tommy Lee gets picked on. They're trying to start some shit with him. No, he, the fight happens because of Travis Brickley, though. Right. Because Travis Brickley steals is like, someone's uh, girlfriend. Yeah. He steals someone's girlfriend. Tommy's trying to just calm things down. Somebody's challenging him to a fight with a, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And Tommy kind of coolly kicks the cigarette out of his mouth. The guy's like, wow, impressive. I was like, well, that is super fucking impressive. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's like incredibly <laughs> Mina's literally drooling. She's Mina, so impressed. That was, that was the best. That was worth 40 minutes of talking about nothing to get to this point. I have crystal light makes your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> It was incredible. <laughs> you, she, she was, she's excited. She was impressed. I forgot um, about the cigarette moment. That was actually <laughs> extremely sick. Yeah, he kicks the cigarette out, and then a big bar fight. Listen, ensues. if that happened and someone oh. kicked the cigarette out of my mouth, I'd be like, I am not fucking with you. Dude. <laughs> I'd be like, no, that's awesome. Also, again, you. like much of the movie, I feel like again left out in the recut. It's unclear <laughs> where is the bar. Where are they training? Where's the original mm-hmm. competition? Where do they go mm-hmm. after that? Like, you never have a sense of time and place. Well, you in this sort film. of do. You sort of do. Because at the bar, it, it seems to be very uh, Southern, like, right. decor. People wearing cowboy hats. So they're not in Maine, right? I think I thought about this. It's got to be south of, 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 like, the Mississippi somewhere or west. Why, why is a martial arts competition happening there then? <laughs> training, <laughs> the training, the training is happening there. Maybe Colorado, maybe, right? <laughs> Why do you Portland? both think that that was a good, like, you both think that's, that was, like, one of the stronger scenes. Like, what did you like about it other than Tommy Lee's awesome kicking the cigarette out of the Because there was mouth? no, uh, there was nothing, like, left hanging. Everything was, like, wrapped up into that scene. Like, oh, they're starting a fight. It was caused because of Travis, and it ended. Done. And that was yeah. the bonding moment that made the team gel into a exhibition-winning <laughs> organization. <laughs> That was like the classic 80s bar fight, rowdy scene. And all the characters kind of have a sense of place in it. Like the Zen dude, Virgil, is establishes who he is as being the chill guy and that, that gets the ladies that gets the yeah that in, weirdly gets the ladies travis is like the bad boy and eric roberts is kind of the smooth hangs back fellow and you just <laughs> it feels contained like dave said the smooth hang back fellow uh the one thing i will say about that bar fight is if you're a bar owner and you don't want bar fights to take place in your bar, like, don't hang those fucking beer signs over the pool table, because that means a, a bar fight is coming. Someone's going to get hit in the head by that hanging beer sign above the pool table. Uh, I like the bar fight scene. I think it came, I don't think it was the gelling moment. That was the first night any of these guys had ever been together. So, like, they said, like, all the racist shit that Travis Brickley says about Tommy, that all comes after this, this bar fight, but. I mean, there's never a gelling moment. Travis is racist to the very end of the movie. It's true. It's true. And again, the recut. We don't know. We don't know where this was supposed to go. (laughs) You know, we've been doing this for 45 minutes. The movie is what, 88 minutes long? (laughs) I don't, there's there's nothing else to talk about. Well, actually, one theory. Do you think it's possible that they cut a scene probably written by Philip Ree? Um, shot with like great care and emotion where Travis <laughs> gathers everyone around and says, I've done a lot of reading. Um, white fragility is on my nightstand. <laughs> 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 Stuff I've been saying to you guys 
course of this, I know why Fragility wasn't written then, but I'm just, you know, I, I don't I don't know what Philip wrote. I don't know. We don't, we'll never know. And, and then you know, ultimately, you know, his character was resolved after finally reckoning with what he had done. I have some, I, you know what? I think that there's evidence in this movie that supports that theory that that scene was cut out, that the, the, the redemption scene was cut out because they do so much to make him seem irredeemable. It's not just like the, the, the racism stuff. He's, he is, as you guys pointed out in the beginning, super misogynistic when they're, when they're getting ready to go out to the bar on this, this night in question, he's trying to get uh, Virgil to stop meditating and, and come out with him. And he says, there's going to be ladies. We're talking about inner and outer labia. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck did he just say? Like, I think if, a, if two women before they were getting out to go to a bar, one of them was like, ladies, we're talking about vast deference here. Like, there's going to be left and right testicles. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? What? And that like got Virgil to go out. So yeah. this, I bring that up to say that there has to be some sort of better redemptive scene that was cut out of this mm. movie because like this no. dude sucks yeah. so hard. Is that misogynistic though? Because it's actually kind of specific in a way that suggests like attention you know and you know. <laughs> Maybe he's only he's appreciating them for very specific anatomical reasons and not no. putting value on on. <laughs> so Chris Penn was just frustrated so that stupid. he would never be as talented as his older brother. That was just pretty simple. <laughs> it was a perfect part for him. Cheng, you have done this twice now. You have projected this onto Chris Penn twice. Yeah. Like you are not forgiving Chris Penn the human for Travis Brickley the character. What what is the other Chris Penn movie that I talked about that he's in? Oh, Footloose. He's in Footloose. Same basically same character. He plays the same character in Footloose. What Gosh. other character is he going to play? Yeah, you're the right. sensitive you're professor, right. the family man, <laughs> the romantic comedy lead. Just let this man have his single character. You don't know. He could have turned into like a Philip Seymour Hoffman, of like an amazing character actor. That's true. He has the look. I think he. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, all right. Let's 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 move on. All right. I, I want to ask this. Do you think that there's any kind of movie like this that's made today? Like, what's the current, like, equivalent of this kind of movie? Because this kind of movie obviously will never be made. But, like, what's the kind of movie that we'll watch 10 years from now and be like, my God, really? Did I like that? So it's embarrassing. Let's ask, let's, let's zoom in on what that means exactly. Which parts of this movie seem unmakeable now? Like, the fantastical setup of a, of a martial arts tournament? Like, the... Just like anything. It would be like, you know, like, you never see movies of... of about this now, or go straight to YouTube, right? Even there's like, like Karate Kid, one competition, yeah, and there's no sense of like narrative or character <laughs> development, <laughs> and the scenes aren't really stitched together. But it all it, it's all centered around one event. What yes, you're saying. I just feel like movie making and the craftsmanship of making movies is so much better now <laughs> that this would never even make it through like the first pitch. Like this is the worst idea I've ever fucking heard. Is there any other movies that are made that we'll watch and be like, somebody liked it a lot. And then, you know, 15 years from now or 20 years, what, 30 years, 31 years, 31 years later, people are like, no, this movie's fucking amazing. <sighs> I don't know. I, we'd have, I'd have to just look, you'd have to, have to just like look at a list of recent movies. I don't know. Like bad movies are still made. Bad movies with dumb premises are still made. I I, I don't know. Like I don't know about that. I think people's people's sophistication about certain things have have gotten better. But imagine this. Okay, here's a question: What would a modern movie, a 2020 movie about a martial arts tournament, look like? 
Mm. Would you make that? You wouldn't. You'd make no, a UFC you know movie. It'd You'd make about, an MMA yeah, movie. It'd be about MMA. Right. And that's why it's different. Now we don't have that because people, because like martial arts has become more of this zeitgeist. You just rarely see movies where the characters are this shallow anymore. Mm. Like, or where there's this little explanation <laughs> at any point. Do you think that this would be better as a 10-part miniseries on Netflix <laughs> or Hulu? <laughs> that's what I was going to say, though. It, it kind of is. There were four of these made. <laughs> And so, like, maybe they didn't get to say everything they wanted to say. And so I will this, point the, out. The, the main reason I wanted to do this podcast with the <laughs> two of you is I think that this is the, the, you guys are the perfect people to maybe do the, the God's work and to remake Best of the Best <laughs> as the series that it was always destined to be okay. on one of the <laughs> premier streaming channels. And let's, let's do this. Movie justice, right? We're going to give it the, the the right location of an automobile industry first and <laughs> foremost. We're going to do these things, and we're going to give the right backdrop. But we can still cast James Earl Jones; he's still alive. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's the next generation, yeah, right? Next so gen. Philip Ree is, of course, the coach now. Mm. As whenever you do, and if we're going to really subvert expectations, it's like a female martial mm. artist, probably played by Emma Stone, that he coaches. <laughs> but she's pretending to be Asian. Ooh. Oof. And then she goes to Oof. Korea and she wins, thus uh-huh. avenging Philip Ree because he didn't win, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Maybe Dehan's daughter. At one point during this podcast, Dave did say the more interesting story was about the board members who were trying to make money from, from the I karate love this. I love this. Maybe spin-off. we just go down that track. What is this company that invests in Taekwondo? <laughs> this company that invests in Taekwondo, exactly. We follow them. They're still um, in business. I, playing into the recut theory and this miniseries theory, I will point out that Chris Penn was in Best of the Best too. So maybe mm. we get the we, we we do get this redemption. Can I tell arc. you something? I didn't even know that there were sequels. I was trying to be cool, like yeah, I knew that. I knew that. When you said went all the way to six, I was like, oh my god, that was half my inner monologue. I have so many. I have so many movies to watch now. <laughs> No are idea. we gonna have to watch? Are we gonna watch Best of the Best two and two podcasts? <laughs> we can't do Best of the Best no, two. No, no. I, we, we can't do that to you. We need we need data. Isaac needs to tell us data. Like fifty minutes in, how many listeners dropped off? <laughs> I mean, I'm not even listening right now, and I'm I'm, I'm on this thing. So frankly, like it's not it's not looking good. It's you know, Mina. Thank you for losing fifty minutes of your life and the least listened to podcast you've ever been part of. Thank you very much. <laughs> No! <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe we kept so it concise, guys. Will, will, will you so guys sweaty. watch this again? Will you watch this again? The movie? Fuck yes. no. <laughs> yeah. Fuck no. No yes. way, right, Yang? I'll watch it Not one more time tonight. I watched it today. I'll watch it twice in one day. Guys, I got a black belt in Taekwondo in high school because of this movie. You got a really? black belt? How, mm-hmm. how do you do an entire podcast about martial arts <laughs> and wait until it's over? To, you're like the fucking whoever did the, the new second cut. You left out this important information that honestly would have informed. Did. People would have been like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. I did oh, mirror, I, I your thought the patterns actually bit. mirror the logical flaws of this movie. <laughs> I also learned how to tell a story by watching this movie, so I've fucking done it completely ass backwards here. Uh, I buried the lead. Guys, I love this movie still. I do not renounce Best of the Best. It is the best of the best and uh, inspired many of the things in my life. So mm. that's where I, I, I land on this thing. No, I feel like a total dumbass for recommending <laughs> this movie. And I really, really do. When I watched this, I was like, this is so bad. I'm so mad that I wasted this and I should have just <laughs> shut up and never have opened my mouth. The worst 
part is now my husband has, and you guys know from being in relationships, now he has like currency because I made mm-hmm. him watch this. So now he, he mm-hmm. can fucking make me watch anything. He's got this like, like that power dynamic, you know? It's your, now, like I made him watch this. I know. You gave him that power. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, that was our review of Best of the Best. I literally didn't know that they were sequels to Best of the Best, and I contemplated, do I even spend the time watching it? But it's like a yearbook. It's it's like going back in time and seeing what life was sort of like and the movies that were made back then. And uh, you can really mine a lot of information about what life was like and what we cared about. But again, thank you to Mina. Shout out to Karate. Taekwondo, still don't even know what that necessarily was about. And to Chris Yang, who had to watch this two times. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I certainly had fun. Uh, Send us some topics for some next bad movie club. We'd love to hear your opinions about what needs to be reviewed as something that you think is maligned and, or just a bad movie that turned into be a great movie, but uh, stay tuned for that. Thank you, everybody. 